and welcome to the Bar and Sunday Morning Services. I am Jesse Lee Peterson, exploring the Faith Hour. You can get involved by calling the number there, emailing or texting or however. We will answer your questions. Good morning, everybody. Good morning. Good morning. How y'all? Good morning. It's hot in L.A., huh? I'm loving it. I'm loving it. It is hot. Um, the... Um, the theme of this year is building a solid foundation, building a solid foundation. And to, today we're going to give you part three of the 12 steps of building that foundation. Part three of, of the 12 steps of building a solid foundation this year. What I've come to realize, including myself, I realized that the reason that a lot of people are suffering and just out of control relationships, not all but most are not working. Family ships are not working. Employee employer ships are not working. Color ships are not working. It's because there's, most people have a weak foundation today. They're not solid. They have not built that, that solid foundation. Their house is built on sand. And so any little thing that comes along knocks it off the foundation. It doesn't take much at all. A little wind, all in the name of Jesus, knocks it off the foundation. And if we don't build this solid foundation, we, we might as well die because we're walking dead anyway. Walking dead anyway. And so uh, my, my desire this year is to not only build a foundation within myself, but hopefully people around the world will do the same thing. And I do hear from people who say, you know what, this is really helping. I never thought about this or thought about that, you know. And, and now that you mention certain things, it's starting me to think. And that's what I want to do, to get you to really think about the right thing. Not what you're going to eat, what you're going to wear, when you're going to sleep, you know, how much money you have or don't have, uh, how white or black or Hispanic you are. But you need to be thinking about the right thing, the things that inspire you rather than, than destroy you. So, today's, I'm going to deal, I'm going to deal with uh, patience. Do you lack patience? Do you lack patience in your life? Uh, the scripture talks about patience. It says that uh, tribulations work as patience in your life. And that when you're going through things, you should count it all joy that you're going through these things because that's how patience comes. And I've realized that most people do not have patience. Even the ones who say that they believe in God lack patience. And if you don't have patience in your life, you don't have anything. Anything. You're weak, pathetic, poor, pitiful excuse of a person if you lack patience. I read a story this week where some guy uh, bit off the nose of his child because the child was crying and he didn't know how to get the baby to be quiet and so he didn't, and he didn't have the patience to wait. He just bit off the baby's nose. Isn't that awful? How old was he? The baby or the person that did the biting? The man. Well, it was an adult. I don't know. He looked like, yeah, he looked like a young adult, 20, 20s and 30s. Yeah. 
and, and that's a that's you know that sounds like a big deal, and it is. But there are people who are driving down the freeway or driving down the road, and somebody getting your way. Don't you want to get out the car and bite their nose off? <laughs> uh huh. <laughs> you want to bite the nose off, right? Honking the horn, cussing, and especially nowadays with the cell phones. You know, nowadays on the freeway, it's, it's rare not to be on the freeway if somebody's not on their phone and the traffic moving. These people slow down and stop on the freeway, reading their text or making a phone call. You want to run over them. Yeah, how stupid is that, right? But all these things is, uh, are giving us a chance to develop that patience that we need. Because if you don't have patience, you have nothing. A lot of people want to start a business. You know, oh, I want to start a business. I want to do this and I want to do that. And they get going, but because things doesn't work out like they think they hear it right away, they, they drop the business. They stop doing it because they, they feel like their mind tells them that it's not working. You know, a month has gone by. You don't have one client yet. And it's not for you. And your mind starts saying, well, maybe this is the wrong thing. You should start something else. And then you go around and ask and everybody, do you think I should do this or do you think I should do that? And everybody have an opinion. And so you end up doing nothing because you don't have the patience to see it through. Even on a regular job, if it's not going the way you, you want it to go or you think you want it to go, you get mad and ready to quit the job and, or whatever it may be. In prayer, I know people who pray and if the prayers are not working right away, Especially the prayer of being still and knowing God. If that's not working right away, oh, it's not working. I don't do that anymore. You know, it's not working. I don't feel anything. I, I, when I first sat down to pray, right away I can see, but now I can't see, so forget it. Anybody ever done that? Mm-hmm. If prayer not working right away, you ask God for something, and if it doesn't come right away, then you don't trust God anymore. You go out there trying to get it yourself or asking somebody else for it because you just don't have the patience. And I have to tell you, people who, oh, let me just see the hands right now of those who lack patience. I appreciate your honesty. You don't have patience. Like L-A-C-K. Who don't have it at times? Let me just see. All except for one. Okay. Good. Um, and how many of you believe in God? Those without patience. <laughs> That's amazing. So God and the lack of patience go together, huh? <laughs> oh, you believe in a creator that created heaven and earth, that created you and everything that's in control of all things, and yet you don't trust him. And if he doesn't operate right away or do the things that you want him to do, right away is over for you. You know, you don't trust him. How you not trust a man who gave you breath, who breathed life into your body? You know, how do you not trust a man who would take care of the birds and the bees, the flowers and the trees, 
the animals, all those things who are below us. We are above them. And we are in control, authority. We have authority over them. And yet he takes care of them. They don't worry about anything. You notice how they don't worry? They just run up and down the road. When they cross the highway, they expect you to stop for them. (laughs) They trust that. You can look at, uh, you can have a pet, a dog or something, and that dog never worries. He or she knows that you're going to feed it every morning, you're going to give it some water, you're going to lick it in the face. (laughs) It knows that already without having to think about it. And that's how we should be with our creator. We should just know that he's going to take care of us and not ever worry about it. We should not in all honesty, we should not have ever have to ask him for anything. In all honesty, we should not ever have to ask God for anything, especially if he is our father and he loves us and he created us. Why would we have to ask for anything? But people are always begging, oh, please, Lord, help me, Lord. We should not. We're so far away from spirit, who we are. We are a spirit, and, we, and he is a spirit, and we are created in his image. We have a little bit of him inside of us, but we're so far away from it because we are so connected to outer things, our passions, our, our earthly, earthly desires, our ego, our this and that, that we're so far away from who we really are it's just mind-blowing because so much suffering is going on as a result of that. So much suffering because we're so disconnected from who we really are. We really should just be living like Adam and Eve did in the garden before they fell. They didn't worry about anything. All their needs were met. And they had that, that still voice relationship with God. They didn't even have to talk to him in words. They just knew. And we have the ability to just know without having to use words. We should, I believe, even though I can't do it quite, I can do it sometimes. I believe that we can communicate with one another without using words. I totally believe that. And the reason I believe that because when I used to really be into dating a lot, I remember riding a bus and a woman got on and she sat in the back of the bus and I sat in front, she got on. We looked at each other eye to eye, and we knew what we wanted. Anybody ever done that? <laughs> Without saying a word. And we were past up our stop trying to wait to see who get off first so we could get off at that stop instead of our own. Have you ever done that? That's communication. We should be spiritually connected in that way so that we, and I believe that that's totally possible because of Christ. But because we are so worldly and lack patience due to that worldliness, we're not operating in that manner. I want to bring you back to that. It's inside of us. And I want to get you to thinking about yourself. Look at me. How am I really, you know? I don't have patience with my kids. I don't have patience with my enemy. And God said I should be loving, my, loving him and loving my enemy as myself. Nobody loves their enemies. Don't love your enemy one iota. And because you don't love your enemy, 
You don't love your daddy. You don't love your mama. You don't love your brother. You don't love your sister. You don't love your husband, and you don't love your wife. You don't love your friend. That's why you can turn on your friend just like that, or family member. Unless you learn to love your enemy and be patient with them, you're never going to love anybody or anything. Isn't that amazing? We're like so messed up, so blind, and can't see. And it's pitiful. And why is everybody looking so crazy right now? It is. Did you have a question? Uh, Wait for the mic. We're going to come to you with the mic. So when I come to you, just hold up a minute. Go ahead. Yes, you mentioned... Yeah, it's yes, up. you mentioned we shouldn't have, have to ask God for anything. Right. So in good and bad times, we just wait for the situation to clear up. Amen. Yes, sir. In good and in the bad, you treat them the same. You have the same attitude about it. If you, have, if you want a million dollars or you were living on a skid row, you're supposed to have the same attitude about being rich or being poor, or going through what seems like hard times as well as the good times. And if you, when you can have that attitude through all things, you found your way. You are back home. Just imagine living a life like that. When things seem to be bad, everything falling apart, you're losing everything, you're losing your friends, you're losing your family, you can maintain that patience. Isn't that something? Or if you lose all your money, you feel the same way about it because you don't, your, your identity is not coming from your money. It's coming from God. It's coming from something, another source. And if you can live that way, that's, that's the kingdom of heaven on earth. Yes, sir. So you're saying that even when people come against you, when people lie about you, <laughs> when things, they don't hire you. Like, for example, I moved to Los Angeles from Chicago. Yes. And it's just been hard to make friends because I don't partake in alcohol, drugs, certain things. Right. Like, right now, I'm not trying to chase 20 women. I'm just trying to focus and get my career started. Yes. Car, house, things like that. And I've been called this and the other, but it's just... So even when people are nagging you... Hold the mic direct like that. Okay. So... What are they calling you? I don't know what they call me. I don't listen. Oh, good. Because like yeah. you said, you're supposed to stay a certain way. Yes, that's right. Right. And being 37 years old, I'm learning that I'm talking to 19-year-olds. I'm talking to 21-year-olds. Bring your mic up a little bit. I'm sorry. Yeah. I'm talking to 23-year-olds, 25-year-olds, 19-year-olds. I'm yeah. college educated. I'm a veteran. And right. I'm from the inner city of Chicago. So when I talk to guys that say they've been in and out of jail, and I'm like, well, I've almost been through every situation, whether it was my situation or a family member situation. Yeah. And I'm not saying I'm the all-knowing being, but I'm saying I've been through hurt. I've been through scandal. I've That's been through right. great times. I've been broke. I've had money. Like, like I said, I'm from Chicago. Now I'm in Los Angeles. I was, so I'm, I'm happy. I'll never have a bad day in my life again. That's regardless. right. When people, when people talk about you or when people steal from you or when people lie on you or when people whatever, whatever, the, the first thing that should happen is that you pray for that person. Don't even consider what they are doing to you. Don't even give that one iota of thought. You pray for them because it, if you know God, you will understand the spiritual battle that we're all dealing with. And that, you know, some people just haven't found their way. They just can't see. 
And so instead of thinking of yourself, you pray for them and think of them and don't go out and badmouth them and don't, don't share it with anyone else. You know, oh, you know, little Joe did this to me. Little Joe took my woman. And little Joe is me, right? Don't do that because it shows a lack of patience. It shows a lack of love. And it shows that you're not connected with love. You're thinking of yourself and not of them. But in your heart, just wish them well and ask, you know, pray hopeful in your heart that God will work with them because they really just don't know. They can't see. If they could see, they would do better, but they can't see. That's why it's so important to get to know yourself. The more I, I, that God allows me to see about myself, the more I realize I don't know anything. I'm, I'm just an idiot. I really am. I, I, it's, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> it's absolutely crazy how stupid we are as people. We're the most, all of us, we are, we are nothing. We really are nothing. And the more you realize, the more you're going to realize you really are nothing. You're not worth a grain of sand. But yet we walk around all uppity. We put on new clothes and think we're better. We sit properly, head all up, just thinking we all that. We really are nothing. <laughs> I, I, it's, it's absolutely amazing. We may have a little money in this, and we think that we're just it, right? Go to the barbershop, got a nice haircut, feeling good. When in reality, we are nothing. We get mad because people tease us or say things. I have friends that I can't even tease with. They get mad. Like, I'm like, I'm your friend. I'm just playing. You ought to stop playing. How are you going to stop playing? <laughs> if you can't play with your friends, why well, have a friend? You know what I'm saying? But that's because the ego is out of control. They lack patience. And I understand it. So I don't take it personally when that happens. Because the more I understand about myself, it takes away any desire to judge anybody else but to have patience with them. Because I'm blind and can't see it. I only see when God allows me to see. When he allows me to see, that's when I can see. So how can I hold anything against my fellow man? And for God to say that we have to love our enemies, our mind won't even let us, how you work that, you know? How do I love somebody who hate me? How do I love someone who stole my, you know, my, my stay-soft fro? I had a friend who used to use up my stay-soft fro all the time. <laughs> I'm like, get your own stay-soft fro. You know what stay-soft fro is? Yeah. Do you know what that is? You don't know what it is? You know what it is, sir? I'm sorry? No? No, I do not. No. Uh, you know what it is? It, it, you have no clue what stay soft bro is. Is that like a soft drink or something like that? Huh? <laughs> <laughs> is like a soft drink? Let's go right here. I'm asking all the white people because I know they don't know. <laughs> Do you know what stay soft bro is? Well, I can guess okay. that it's something that you, you black folk put in your hair <laughs> to make it soft. 
Yes. That's right. Something you black folks put in your hair. <laughs> Something you people put in your hair to keep it soft. Yeah. I use Stay Soft Fro every day. Because if I don't, my hair will turn nappy. Or to have those little wild-looking hair things. You know what I'm talking about running? Oh, I shouldn't talk about black folks in front of running. <laughs> but it keeps your hair soft, and it keeps your head from developing dandruff. Dandruff. You know that little dry, patchy stuff? I hate that stuff. <laughs> Sometimes I see businessmen, mostly white now. They have on their suit. They be all cool, and they have a shoulder full of dandruff. And I want to offer them stay soft, bro. You can use, white people can use, white people can use it too. <laughs> it's not greasy. It, it, once you put it on there, it softens the hair, and it's gone. <laughs> it's not greasy, right, Doug? No. Right. And Doug has white people hair, and he uses it too. He has good hair, but yeah, he used stay soft, bro. That's the black in him. I want to, uh, I want to read something to you that, and then before this is up, unless you tell me, I want to tell you how to get to the point where you develop patience. Because if you don't have patience, you can't wait upon the Lord. Those who wait upon the Lord, he will supply your every need. But you got to wait on him. And he is allowing you to have to wait because he's trying to get you to see something about yourself that you haven't seen. He's trying to help you to develop your faith in him and not in things and other people and places. That's why he may have you wait for a little while. But he's going to take care of you. He's not going to let you die. He will take care of you. But you have to wait. Sometimes you have to wait. You have to wait. But most people cannot wait. Especially people who lack, lack patience. You cannot wait. Um, let me go here. You said that you lack patience, right? Yes, sir. And yet you believe in God. Yes, sir. And so have you ever thought, how do I believe in God, but yet don't trust him enough to wait on him? And I never thought that for the simple fact. I just want what I want when I want it. Uh And that's the problem. And that might be why I lack patience. Yeah, it is. I may be used to getting things at a certain time. And as you get older, that's not necessarily the case anymore. That's right. And then moving to a new location, a bigger location, that's not the case. That's right. Exactly. Have you noticed that people who lack patience, I'm going to talk about you right now. Um, I can't wait to read this to you. Have you noticed that because you lack, well, you haven't noticed it if you haven't really thought about it, patient that you live a life of despair? Yes. Have you noticed that? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's been very, very crazy since I've been here trying. Everybody and their mama who lack patience live a life of despair. Just think about that in your own life. You live a life of despair because you lack patience. If you have patience, you cannot live a life of despair. But you need the patience. Have you noticed that in your life? Thinking about it. I'm sorry? Thinking about it. Yeah, do you know what I mean when I say that? And you lack patience sometimes, right? Sometimes. You just don't have it. What can cause you to lose patience? 
I would say pretty much what he said. I mean, you want certain things to be done on time. Uh, I mean, in my case, this is funny how you bring up patients because yesterday I left a status on my Facebook about injuries and how, like, a lot of people don't have the patience to kind of overcome that. Yes. In my case, I get injuries all the time. So with that, obviously it takes a while to kind of overcome it. Right. So you kind of go through it, take care of yourself. So it, it can be hard, you know, but you just have to go through it. So you got to let it go and get through it. What caused you to lack patience? I would say just, just wanting to kind of get something you can at the moment. <laughs> Pretty much. I want my money now. <laughs> There's a commercial. You hear that commercial? Seen that commercial? I want my money now. If you have like a car accident, they have these lawyers who give you some money now. Larry, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I want my money now. So you want what you want now, huh? Yeah, well, pretty much, yeah. And you have, have you ever realized, wow, this is bringing despair, despair in my life. I feel anxious and I feel... Yep. Worry. Yeah. Yeah. But you had you connected the two? Yes. You have? Yes. yes. Do you want to, over, are you going to overcome that? I'm overcoming it. How? Slowly, just kind of letting it go and, um, you know, meditating. I started doing that. So it's timely matter that, you know, eventually I will get through it. Yeah. You will. Even that itself is patience. It is. You know? So. That's right. Knowing that it can change. Yeah. That's right. That's good. That's good. Right here. Do you lack patience? Um, I don't lack patience, but uh, as far as the disparity goes, uh, I was going to say an example. Say I've, if I'm at the bus stop and I'm waiting for a bus, just being certain that the bus is going to come, I wait patiently. Yes. There is no hardship or any, uh, that the process of waiting is not there. You just wait until the, suddenly the bus shows up. That's right. But what if in the circumstances where there is no cert- certainty? Like, if you're uncertain, what do you do to be patient? If I know something's going to come for certain, I'm willing to wait patiently as long as it takes. Right. But what if I'm not certain? Like, what, for example? Uh, say, I cannot think of an example, but you're in a certain situation. Say, certain situation, it takes certain things to come out of, so you're willing to wait as long as it takes. Right. But what if you don't know if you, how or if you're going to come <laughs> out of that situation. Right. Then what do you do, you know? Well, see, that's what patience is all about, not knowing what the outcome is going to be or when it's going to change. It, it, you don't develop patience if you know everything's going to be all right. You know the bus is coming. You're not developing patience like that. Patience comes when you, don't, you cannot see the outcome. You don't know when or if it's going to ever change. And that's how you develop that. That's where you learn to just wait, wait and see. And so uh, you got to learn how to do that, and I'll tell you how in a minute here, but that's where you have to exercise patience. A lot of people don't have it. And because they don't have it, they'll make a decision that changes the course of what's going to happen. What they desire will come, but because they can't wait, they got to have it now. I want my money now. So they go and make it happen. And it, when it happens, it's the wrong thing at the wrong time. And it doesn't last. You got to be able to wait. You must wait. But a whole lot of folks are in a state 
of despair because they cannot wait. They will not wait. And I know what it is that prevents them from doing that, from waiting. I know what it is now, and I'm glad to know it. I'm going to share that with you because I want you to know exactly what it is that prevents you from waiting, waiting on God. The thing that you have to realize about him, God, just think about this. He created us. You know, he made us, and he's in control of er He created heaven and earth, and he's in control of everything. You know, God didn't, didn't decide one day, you know what? I've created heaven and earth and the flowers and the bees and the birds and the trees, and I own everything. And all of these things are under my control, and I can just do whatever I want. But I'm not happy like this. I know what I'm going to make human beings so I could just make them suffer and be all happy about it. I'm going to give them my image. I'm going to make them in my image so I can just be happy when I'm suffering. Jesus and I sit up here and have some cafe mocha, you know, and, and, and they may be on a diet now because everybody dieting and cleansing and all that. So they may not be using a cafe mocha. But we're just going to sit here and turn the, the TV on that allows me to, us to see the world. And we've got to watch these human beings just suffer. Kill each other, lie on each other, rape and rob and molest and murder and take and, and beat up and gossip about and just everything. Jesus and I just going to have some fun with these human beings. Have you ever thought of God doing that? Yeah. Yeah. You act like it. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I, I remember... Uh, uh, when I first got out of the service, I had different roommates. And uh, and it's one particular incident. A couple of incidences. Uh, this guy had made, turned his house, and, and, he, and he had several uh, bunk beds. But I noticed that if someone woke me up, and a couple of times I got into a fight with a couple of guys, and I would put them, like, in a chokehold. <laughs> and Because they woke you up? Yeah, I was, they wouldn't <laughs> let me sleep. <laughs> And um, all in the name of Jesus. And one guy, I'm pretty, pretty sure, came close to death. Wow. But I noticed that. Can you imagine he killed this guy? And then he go to court and they ask him, why did you kill him? <laughs> he won't let me sleep. He woke me up. But I noticed that now, like with my son, if I'm sleeping and he comes and, and, and starts jumping on me when I'm sleeping, I get real, real angry. Yeah. And uh, like wow. the other night. I was sleeping, and he had went to the dentist, and I guess, uh, earlier that day, and they gave him some medicine. Yeah. So when I was sleeping, he came, and he started jumping on me. They wanted you to bring the mic up. He started jumping on me, and, um, and that anger kind of came up. Yeah. And I told him, hey, stop. Uh, it's time to go to bed or whatever. And then he started throwing some punches at me. <laughs> oh, God. And so then I gave him a spanking, and he, he came back and threw more, more punches, and I noticed I was real angry. Uh, yeah. when I was giving him that spanking. That's it was almost terrible. like the same, the same mindset when I was dealing with adults. Absolutely. See, the thing about that spirit, once it make a home in you, it's going gonna, gonna to come out dealing with everybody. Everybody. Not just your enemy, but your family, 
your friends, uh, the preacher. It'll come out on anybody because if you can't love your neighbor, which is your son, you can't love anybody. If you couldn't love those people who woke you up like that to a point you wanted to kill them, then you're not going to be able to love your son either. That's the thing about that spirit because this spirit has made a home in you and it controls you. So you think, well, I would never do that to my son. You know, I kill the stranger, but I won't kill my son. That's why a lot of family members are killing one another because this thing takes over and then it causes them to do something that they wish they had not done. And, and once they do it, this thing kind of settle down a little bit and let them see what they have done. And then the guilt pile up now. Now you feel guilty because you're judging yourself. And now Satan said, you might as well be dead. Your, your life is over. Kill yourself. And you go kill yourself. Yes. Yeah. I know this during the day uh, when I'm dealing with my sons, I try to be patient. But that incidence when I'm, when I'm sleeping and, and they come and pounce on me, it seemed like... Uh, I can't be aware of that, or I can't catch that. Yes, absolutely. Well, I'm going to show you today. You want to overcome that? Yes, sir. You want to overcome it. I'm going to show you how to overcome that. God, God is something else. He really wants us to live. He wants us to live a bright life. He wants us to be happy. He doesn't want us to worry at all. Can you imagine living a life of never worrying about anything? He wants us to always show love to our fellow man. No matter what, show love to them, our children, our enemies, our friends, and all that come back on you. It will come back to you because you're not thinking of you. It'll come to you. Uh, Let me take it right here. You know, um, I think I lack patience because I can't, stand to be uncomfortable. And I mean the uncomfortable you feel when either a physical or a mental uncomfortable, you know, like say you have to do, I gave an example earlier, say you have to do um, uh, some paperwork and you hate to do that kind of thing. I can't hardly, unless it's under pressure, I can't bring myself to do that of my own will, you know, uh, of just a relaxed, sit down and do it, even though you feel uncomfortable, you don't like to do it kind of thing. I, yes. I can't seem to get to that point in anything of my life where if it's uncomfortable, makes me feel a little pain, I don't want it. Absolutely. The ego doesn't like to feel pain. They're not us. The thing that's made a homeless out of us does not like to feel pain because if it should go through the pain, it has to die. It can't have the pain because it's the light of what's going on. The fact that you could see that you're having this pain, and if you go to it with the light and rest in it, it has to die. And it doesn't want you to notice that that's what's going on. Even if you feel the pain, it'll talk to you to try to convince you that the pain is about something else so that you don't have to relax in it and face it to overcome it. It's, and see, that's what another, that's another thing I've realized is that the thoughts and the pain that I feel, is the, the, uh, whatever it is I feel in my body, the anxiety or whatever it is I feel, is not the real me. It's not me at all. It's just something going on in my physical body. And because I'm so identified with the physical, I think that the pain in the physical body is who I really am. And it's not at all. 
The real me is a spirit person, spiritual person, created in God's image, and that person is not going through that. But we don't know it because we're so earthy. We're so earthy that we just don't know it. Isn't that amazing? And we're suffering. We get mad and we turn my uh, and we turn on people. It's a mess. And yet we call ourselves brothers and sisters of the Lord. You are my brother in Christ. Whenever somebody tells me now that I'm their brother in Christ, I go the other way. I go and look for my enemy. I'm like, do you believe in Jesus? When they say no, I go, hey, buddy. <laughs> I have a better chance with you than I do that brother over there that says I'm, <laughs> I'm telling you, the worst sinners are the ones who believe in God. Have you noticed that? If you doubt me, just look at yourself. You don't have to look anywhere else but at self. The worst cannot be trusted. Cannot be trusted. And that's why God said, trust no man. Man's heart, man, woman, heart is wicked. It's wicked. Any person that gets angry at your husband or your wife or your kids or your friends or your family member or your enemy, I should have said enemy first, is a wicked person. And that person cannot be trusted. That person cannot be trusted. An angry person is worse than an alcoholic. At least an alcoholic wake up sober the next morning, he'll go 24 hours a day. By the end of the day, he's drunk. But during that 24 hours, you can trust him. He's not going to get drunk. But an angry person snap at any point. Uh, that's right. And an angry person cannot be trusted. All in the name of Jesus. All in the name. Oh, I wanted to tell you this. And then we go right here. I was talking to my, I told you about my father has Alzheimer's now, right? And so my sister, Lord bless her soul. Maybe I shouldn't be telling all my sister a little business. Because she may watch this and be mad at me. I have six of them. I have six sisters, so you don't know which one I'm talking about. <laughs> All right? <laughs> huh? She knows. But no one else knows, sis. <laughs> but she called me up, and uh, my dad was in one home for uh, one of those little home for, yeah, nursing home for it. Folks with that kind of issue. And, and the reason he was there because he became, according to his wife, he became violent at home and she was afraid to go to sleep and all that kind of stuff. And I don't blame him, that's true. So they put him in a home. And, and according to the report that I've been getting, he's fighting the folks in the home too. He get mad and kick things. And, and my brother was telling me, one of my brothers, I have four brothers, so you don't know which brothers. <laughs> he was saying, they called me punching. Yesterday he would tell me, punching. It's so weird. When my father get angry, he looked like a different person. It looked like something comes up in him and it changes his image. It doesn't even look like him. Have you ever seen angry people like that? It doesn't even, isn't that interesting that when you get angry, this thing come up and it changes your look. 
And I'm like, yeah, I understand. And I realized that, and so they put him in another home for crazy folks now. What do you call that crazy home? Where everybody walk around like that? Yeah. Everybody, you see no folks? Yeah, they are high and the Satan got them. But I realized my dad has always been an angry man, but he never dealt with that anger. He suppressed the anger. Once in a while, I would see it come up, especially with he and his wife, when they're dealing. But my dad suppressed the anger all of his life, and he never was able to overcome it because he didn't deal with it. And now that he doesn't have control of his thoughts, his mind is all coming out. And he'll take you out in a minute. Once in a while, I would see it, though. You know, you would see it come out. I remember once, he owned a lot of apartment buildings and things like that. And in Indiana, sometimes he rent to welfare people. And you know how welfare people treat your property, right? And my dad would go in there, and these are like young guys on dope. My dad would go in there and get in their face, and he's like 70 to 80 years old, right? And he want to fight them. I'm like, are you crazy? These guys will kill you. But he truly believed that he could beat them. You know, and I think the old men from the old school used to think that way. But the point is, he has that anger, and now it's coming out, and he has no control over it at all. And he's so strong when he's angry, even the nurses can't handle him. You want to overcome that anger now, because it will cause you to lose your mind. He'll just possess your mind as you get older. You know, you're weaker in your vessel. So vessel, so here, that anger will take over your life. It really will. It's a spirit, folks. It's a battle between good and evil. It's not physical at all. And so when people, if you're in relationships and people are mad, it's not them. It's the spirit. And if you are aware of the spirit, you would know how to deal with them, not take it personally. God is with you. He really is. Yes, sir. And you mentioned that... Um we get up, or we get upset about the pain and stuff because we relate to our bodies. This is our bodies, right? Right. And and, and um, that's an interesting concept. I've not been able to like put it into practice. You know, get any real separation yes. from those feelings and the body and all that. Yeah. And so I am subject to it, but um, that's that kind of is a difficult concept to kind of get your mind I, around. You know, I totally you're understand. not your body, not your voice coming out and all that kind of stuff, your thought. That's right. I absolutely understand that. I was thinking that this morning. How do you come to a point in life where you no longer relate to your body, to the physical world around you, but you become spiritual and you relate spiritually to everything? And God said that we should be of the spirit. We must be born again of the spirit. That means that we have to overcome the flesh. We have to overcome the body and the, and the money and material things and passions, you know, whatever your passion may be. You got to overcome that because that's what you are relating to. That's what you're getting your identity from. And that's what's controlling you. I believe that we can live a life of spirit. I really do. It's just that we've been so dumbed down and taking so far away from it, you know, it's like coming back home. We got to come back to it. And then the suffering will start to end. We'll suffer in that we'll have a lot of issues to deal with out there, 
But in here, we'll be fine. We'll be fine. Because the more you discover about yourself, you see that you really don't know anything. You ain't worth nothing. You know, why waste your time being mad about something? You know, I want to read this to you. And I want uh, Mary to respond to it. I read this somewhere, and it just really touched my heart. I did not come up with this. The Lord didn't reveal it to me. I read somebody else's writing. I was reading something somewhere. And, and I read just one thing, and I'm like, wow, that made so much sense to me. I was able to see that it made a lot of sense. It's, and I just wrote a little portion of it, a little sound bite from it. It said that patient endurance kills the despair that kills the soul. Patient endurance kills the despair that kills the soul. Everybody understand that? Yes. All right. What do you think about that, Mary? Repeat what I said and tell me what you think about it. Um, patience, <laughs> patient despair kills the, what? I missed it up. I got it backwards. You messed it Pati- up? Okay. Patient. Nobody else help her, mama. Oh. Patient. <laughs> what? Leave mama. my child alone. Let her sit. Go ahead. Oh. Patient endurance kills the despair. <laughs> that 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 kills the soul. Did you help her? No. Where no the lady in the back. She didn't help you? No. A little bit. I saw you you just wanted to see it. Oh, see it. So, no. so patient, patient endurance kills the despair that kills the soul? Yes. Okay. What that mean? does it mean anything to you at all? Yeah, it does. It means, it, it does, it means patient endurance because obviously there's something I feel that I want to do that I'm not able to do. So I'm like, well, what's wrong with me that I can't get this going? And so, I, 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 so that means that I'm not patient. I'm just trying to push where I ha- if I could relax and just be patient and endure what I'm going through, that soon my soul would be opened up properly. Okay. How about you? When you hear, you, you understood what I just read, right? Yes. Can you repeat it for me real fast? I'm running out of time here. <laughs> Patient endurance kills the spirit that kills the soul. Uh-uh. Lord, girl. Speak into the mic, first of all. Close to that? Yeah. Repeat it. I'm sorry. Just repeat it for me. Patient endurance kills despair that kills the soul. Yeah, does that mean anything? Yeah, it means that for us it means we, we have to endure to to build our soul, really. You know, it's a, it's a stage we're building on and our endurance is what makes it, what makes us sit and wait for the things to come to us so that things will flow to us in the way God wants it to happen. And when we're patient, that all happens the way it should. Okay. But that's what, we're leave, that's what we're leaving out every time. All right. What does it mean to you? Real fast. 
Can you repeat it for me? Um, we, yes. This is not a test. You don't get an A for knowing how to repeat it. <laughs> you don't get any grade at all. I'm just wanting to share it with you. That's all. Uh, you said that patient endurance kills despair that kills the soul. Yes. Yes. But uh, understanding how I get this patient endurance, I don't know. Oh, okay. All right. Patrick, what did it mean to you? Patrick is behind the headline, the smartest white man on this side of heaven. <laughs> How come everybody laugh when I always say Patrick is the smartest white man? <laughs> I'm even laughing. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stand behind uh, this guy over here on that one because I don't really know. I, I, it sounds good. Yeah. Sounds great. Yeah. And it sounds like it would work. Um, but, you know, I have the... Uh, the same thing happened to me that happened with another young man here. When I'm watching something, kind of got it. You know, it doesn't really, I can, things kind of stay okay. Yeah. But if somebody is to wake me or if I'm doing something and they kind of catch me off guard, uh-huh. the anger comes out. You know, so how that leaves, I don't know because it's been there for a long time. I'd love it to go. In fact, I just had a funny, you were t- saying don't pray uh, or, or we don't need to pray or... or no, I said that once we become connected with the Spirit, we don't even have to, in reality, we don't have to ask God for anything. Right. Well, then I'm not connected with the Spirit because it's funny that we're talking about the same subject matter because that's what I asked God this morning. I said, I said, one of two things here. Either take this stuff out of me, this anger out of me, or show me the separation. Show me there's a separation between that this isn't me. Yeah. You know, I'll, I'll take one or the other here. You know, I'm asking for one or the other. And what do you say? I haven't heard an answer yet. Oh. You know, the one thing I've learned, I'm, I'm, the other day I was asking God for something with words, and then I thought about what I had done. I was like, oh, Lord, I'm just playing. Erase that. I didn't mean that. Because what I noticed about him, every time I asked for something, he made me suffer through it. You know, it's like, for example, if I had anger, I said, oh, Lord, please show me this anger and help me to get away from the anger. You know, anybody, Patrick said, he asked that. You know what he would do? He would put everybody in front of me that made me mad. You know, it, it looked like every situation become a situation where now I'm mad at the situation. Where had not I asked that, I probably wouldn't have had those situations coming. You say, oh, Lord, I want to be rich. You go poor right away. Now you're worried about your money. You don't have enough to pay your bill. Every dime you get, you lose it because you ask him to make you rich. That's for you. I think it's best to just wait because he's going to make you earn it that way, look like, if you ask for it. Because he said that we don't know what to ask for. We don't know what to ask for. We don't even know what we want. We don't know what we need. So if we don't know why are we asking these things that are going to only bring on issues that we don't want to deal with? But just notice, whenever you ask for something, now, I hope Patrick changed his mind, tell the Lord he was just playing, because next week, all of us are going to have to fight with him. We're all going to make him mad in the office. Everything is going to irritate him. You know? So be careful what you ask for, if you got to ask. Um... The way I, I uh, yes, 
Um, in the asking, aren't we already, aren't we really saying that, that it's not there and it he's already given, us, given it to us, but we're that's right. showing the lack and that's kind of why it's not showing it's up. Doubt. It's doubt. Because everything we need, want, desire is already there anyway. It's already right here, right now. You just can't see it. You have all you want. If you want a good husband, you already have one. If you want a good wife or patient, good wife, you already have one. If you want wealth, you already have it. If you want patience, you already have it. But because you're asking for it, it shows doubt and it shows that you don't see what you already have. Yes, Pat? Yes. I don't understand that. Because, I know. Because if I already had patience, I wouldn't have anger. I don't get that. I understand. Here, yes, Mary. Oh, I'm sorry. One minute. We're still running out of time, and now everybody got questions. Well, it, it just, well, I just noticed that it means it's already there, but we just don't know how to access it. Right. We just like to, it's just right here, but. There are some things in my car that I can do that will make my life easier while driving, so I already have it. And instead of learning, figuring it out, I don't figure out, and I'm always trying to get Billy or somebody to help me. But everything I need is already there, and that's how life is. He, when, when, when Christ said, it is done, it is finished, everything went back to its natural state of being. Everything is back in order. It's just that we are so far away from it. Somebody, yes. Doesn't it say in the Bible, is it the book of Leviticus? Or if you want to, Proverbs, if you want to be wise, be a fool. Yes. Become a fool. Yes. If you want to be wise, become a fool. Become a fool. <laughs> and done. Okay, here are the steps. Here are the steps to building this foundation, right? A continuation of building a foundation. You must be still and know God. You must be still. You've got to have that quiet time to stay in the moment. And getting up and being still, not, it's not necessary to just get up in the morning and meditate or be quiet and know him and at night before bed. It has to become a way of life. It has to happen during the day. You need to, when you get in your car, you need to take a moment and come into the presence of God. Instead of rushing in your head. Uh, I notice a lot of people, I, I've been asking, do you pray? I raise their hand, yes. Oh, I pray in the morning. And I pray at night. But the rest of the day, they are not praying. They are unconscious. They are in, lost in their heads and not in the presence of God. They are doing it early in the morning because I say do it. But from that point forward until at night, no prayer. They don't take a moment to come back into the present. So you got to Pray without ceasing, meaning that you've got to be aware of thought. That's the second part. You've got to become, watch, become watchful of thoughts because they are your enemy. They will never, ever, ever tell you the truth about anything. Nothing, even the little things that seem simple, they will not tell you the truth about those things. For example, uh, I was getting ready the other day to have a, a staff meeting with some of my employees. And so one of the employees was downstairs. The other one had got, come up to the office already. 
And so I had a, another question for an employee that wasn't upstairs yet. So I called down and I was going to ask another question. It had nothing to do with coming up to the office for the meeting. And their first thing to me was, oh, you ready for me coming? I'm coming up to the office, right? And Saint had told them that's what the call was all about when it was about something else. So, and I'm using that because that's a simple, didn't mean any harm kind of example. But even those types of thoughts, you have to be aware of. He'll make you think you know when you don't know. You have to have a wait and see attitude and never trust anything, not one iota of a thing that your thought tells you about anything. So you got to pray. I mean, be watchful of, you know, stay in the moment, not lost in your head, and watch your thoughts. Number one is prayer without ceasing. Number two is watchfulness of thoughts. You got to watch them. Every one you, even a little simple one that don't mean anything. Your thoughts tell you when you're hungry and what you want to eat. When I eat sweets, it's because my thoughts have told me that that's what I want. And it tells me, and, and I feel like, oh, I got to have me some sweet stuff. I want some cookies. But I'm thinking that I'm coming up with this idea. But it tells you how to eat. Have you noticed that? Yes. You got to pay attention to the little things that doesn't seem to be harmful because in doing that, you're listening to him, the deceiver. So pray, watch, watch your thoughts, and then read. read. Read a little bit, not a lot. But read a little bit so that you would know, you know, read about things that inspire you and encourage you. Read other people's story, how they went through things. And, you know, especially those who went through stuff and they discovered life, they discovered God by going through things. And now their lives have changed from it. Those type of stories are very inspiring and encouraging. And you'll get something from that, too. So pray, watch the thoughts, and read a little. That's all is required of you. That's all is required of you. And even through that, he's, he's changing your whole world. He's bringing you back home. Everything, prayer, prayer is in stillness. Everything is created in stillness. Everything. All prayers are in stillness. Heaven and earth is created. Your life See, everything that's there and in stillness, it be, you become aware of it. It becomes yours in stillness. Be still and know God. It's about keeping your eyes on yourself and no one else. All right? You got to, I'm sorry that we have been taught all this other way, and it's hard to believe that there is a right way, another way. I had a woman who called me up. I do yoga exercises sometimes. It's an exercise, right? And she called me up and said, oh, no, uh, a preacher said that if you do yoga, then you're sending an encrypted message, encrypted message to the devil. <laughs> and all I'm doing is sweating when I do it. And I'm thinking, well, I should have said to her, you need to sweat the devil out of you. And that's what it does. But if I said, don't listen to this preacher. Go try it yourself. It's just an exercise. I know when I first started out 20-some years doing it, some classes, they do that little hum thing. But I didn't understand it, so I didn't do the hum thing. I just did the exercise. 
because I didn't understand it, so I didn't do that part. But don't just take somebody's word as something and don't try it for yourself. You're missing out on whole life. So thank you for tuning in, folks, and thank you for coming, all right? I appreciate it very much. For more information, to purchase a copy of this program or to make a donation, visit us on the web at bondinfo.org or call 1-800-411-2663. That's 1-800-411-BOND. You're already home.